episode 731 of the Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, August 26th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today. And I'm talking about some minor leaguers. I've got 10 minor league bats to consider uh, for p- potential call-up here within the next week to 10 days as we approach roster expansion. Um, there's also the situation where some of these teams are headed toward the playoffs, or, or could be. They might want to get these guys on the roster ahead of September call-ups so that they're eligible for the playoffs. Although there is a loophole, I believe it's something dealing with injury. If they replace them with an injured, uh, if they're replacing an injured player and they're called up after September 1st, they could still go into the playoffs. But that's neither here nor there. We're not really focused on the playoffs. Uh, We're focused on our fantasy playoffs, which are starting, um, have started winding down, depending on how your league sets everything up. There's also the fact that September call-ups will only be 28, guys this year instead of the 40 which i think is the right move i think 40 is kind of stupid uh, especially because not every team did it so you could sometimes have a team of like 40 versus a team of 31 and it's not the team with 40's fault it's just the the vast differences between teams like we're playing different baseball in september so i think you know limiting it to 28 is fair and I, i like that better but let's talk about some of these guys let's just dive right into the list here Let's start with the one that you'd probably expect, uh, that we've been expecting for such a long time to get called up, and that's Kyle Tucker. Everybody but Kyle Tucker's been called up. It's it's almost impressive at this point how the Astros have, will have an opening created that could then allow them to call up Kyle Tucker, and they will call up anybody but. They called up Tyle Cucker the other day, and I didn't even know that that guy existed. He went two for four before getting sent back down. But seemingly every move that uh, or every injury that happens, they could rearrange the roster to open up a spot for Tucker. And yet he's languished in AAA. Even the most recent move, I think, could have finagled some things with uh, with Correa. Even, even though it was shortstop Carlos Correa, I think they could have worked some things out that uh, would have created space for Tucker. But they didn't. They went with Abraham Toro. He's been killing it lately in in AAA. Now, he wasn't great all year. I remember Kyle Tucker and Forrest Whitley at a point were both really struggling. And so it's like, okay, you know, that's why they're not up. That makes some sense. But Tucker, I mean, you look at his season line now, 267 average is not going to jump off the page, but a 355 OBP and a 555 slug with 32 homers and 30 stolen bases. Tucker's put up a 30-30 season in the minors which is absolutely incredible, of course, and has uh, fantasy players salivating. In August alone, he's at 309, 398, 556 with five of those homers and seven of the steals. That would pace to a 37.52 full season, just to give you an idea of, of what it means. And I don't, I don't give full paces to suggest that that's what they would do, but rather to always put into context how electric they are, because I don't think everybody always understands, that, okay, five homers and seven steals in 24 games that's awesome but uh what is what does that necessarily mean so that's part of the reason for the uh for the full season comps you know he's tucker's hitting against righties and lefties doesn't really need to be platooned i don't know what it is that makes them at this point the astros feel like josh reddick is still fully deserving of a spot 
I believe he has had some good points at in the year, which only makes his depressing uh, full season line, or excuse me, his full, which which I I I ruined it, <laughs> which makes his full season line all the more depressing because I believe he started off pretty decently. In fact, he had a great April, passable May and June for Reddick, but then 524 OPS in July, 394 this month. What is it? I mean, what what is it that Tucker has to do? The team's not afraid to call guys up, the young guys up when they're ready. Um, Tucker's not even that young with the way some of these guys that we've seen getting called up. He's 22. He was up last year for 72 plate appearances as a 21-year-old. So I don't understand it. It's very bizarre. I think we'll finally have it over with uh, in at least five days. Or wait, is there 31 days in the month? It might be six days. But uh, yeah, so you, you know, by next sun, by Sunday, he could be called up September first at the very least. But it is surprising that it's taken this long. But that's Cal Tucker. If you've been holding this long, you might as well ride it out now. I can't imagine it making a whole lot of sense to now jump off the train with uh, with your with your Kyle Tucker shares. Next up is Nate Lowe, who's been up and down a bit, and it seems every time. He comes up, hey, let's get excited again and, and go pick up Nate Lowe. And by the time you really settle him into your lineup, he's gone again. And part of it is just the the cavalcade of talent that the Rays seem to endlessly parade out. And the, this guy goes off for a little bit. This guy goes off for a little bit. These guys have breakout seasons. It's always something going on. He got an extended run, did Nate Lowe, in July. And he made the most of it. It was a 73-plate appearance span over 20 games from July 4th to July 31st. That, of course, includes the All-Star break, so it cuts it a little bit in terms of volume. But he had 313, 397, 625 with five homers. That's fantastic. 12 ribbies as well. That's a 41.98 full season pace. 12 runs just for those curious uh, for Nate Lowe as well. So he, he, he did everything that he could. In fact, you add up everything that he's done this year in the multiple call-ups, 115-plate appearances, of an 875 OPS. So it's not for a lack of, of performance in the sporadic opportunities that he's gotten. They just seem more committed to some of their older older guys who would fill pretty much the same role, like a G-Man Choi. I think, I think Choi is probably the biggest roadblock to Nate Lowe having been up for the bulk of the season at this point. Um, and, and you look, Choi's been fine. 383 point appearances of essentially a league average bat, 255, 355, 406. I guess, you know, they have the 28-year-old Choi. They're fine with it. Why not save some save some clock time on, on low, I guess. But uh, it has been a bummer to kind of watch him. I don't want to say waste away in AAA, but he is 23, and it does, he did seem like he was ready to kind of take on a, a full expanded role has a 141 WRC plus in AAA with a 20% strikeout rate and only 16% walk rate. So again, Nate Lowe should be back again soon here. Playing time will be tough though because they also then got Jesus Aguilar to kind of fill the other side of the platoon there. So you have Choi and Aguilar, neither of whom is necessarily going to be bumped off by Lowe. So even when he comes back, I do think it's going to be tougher for playing time with all the all the mixing and matching that the Rays can do. Next up is Gavin Lux, and uh, this one for the Dodgers, very impressive middle infielder who you could have easily envisioned coming up at some point and just taking the league by storm. 
they have avoided calling him up. They avoided trading him though too. They were they were hard pressed that they were not going to trade him. But uh, it looks like he could get a chance to come up here in September. At the very least, they've said, and this won't be fantasy relevant, that he could do something uh, of a, a of a ride along where he's called up to kind of be with the team and see how everything goes and, and kind of live the big league life without having to worry about playing and performing. They did it with Will Smith, and so it is something that they could do for Lux. I will say, though, you know, the whole playing time thing or, or the whole service time thing, it's such a load of garbage because it's so frustrating that MLB absolutely incentivizes teams to not call up their best talent. How the hell does somebody like Gavin Lux, who puts up a 148 WRC plus at AA, so they put him in AAA and say, you know what, do it in AAA. How about a 197 in 213 plate appearances? Dude's hitting 407, 493, 747. 18% strikeout, 15% walk. And he can't buy a call-up? And they had injuries to Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez at the same time. Now both guys are back, but they still have Jed Jerko taking a spot. And that could, I guess you don't want to call up Lux for a, uh, for a part-time spot, but damn, I mean, it's just, it just goes to the, uh, to the amount of talent that this club has, that they can realistically do that with somebody like Lux and it doesn't actively hurt them or even really you know, cause them a lot of consternation where they where they get a bunch of heat for it. Because everyone knows the system. It's hard to really blame the teams, especially if you're a fan of the team. You're like, well, it makes a lot of sense. Do I want to go see Gavin Lux every day at Chavez Ravine? Yes. But do I want the, the team to maximize the amount of time that they have him? Yes. So it's a stupid system. It's absolutely frustrating. But uh, if you're in your shallower leagues where Lux is still available, now is absolutely the time to get him. You might only have to hold a week. I, I parked him on my 10-team uh, head-to-head mixed league just to see. And if I had needed that spot at any point in the last uh, week to 10 days, I, I, I got him a little bit ago, I would have cut him. I haven't needed it yet. And if I need it now, I'd have to find somebody else because at this point, I'm, I'm so close to the finish line of September that I'm at least going to wait it out until September 1st, September 2nd, and see if they call up Gavin Lux. But folks, just know this name for next year. I mean, Gavin Lux has everything. He looks like he's going to be cream of the crop, top uh, top prospect sort of guy. He's going to be going earlier in your drafts. You're going to need to familiarize yourself with the name. If you play shower leagues or you're just not a huge prospect guy uh, or gal, then this is somebody that you definitely need to know. You probably do. I'm not uh, trying to insult anyone's intelligence, but I know that sometimes not everyone has full bandwidth to, to really or, or doesn't even care about prospects because they don't really affect their league as much. But that's changing too. It doesn't matter how shallow of a league you play. Prospects are a massive deal now, so you need to increase your knowledge of them uh, full, you know, across the, the spectrum of league formats in fantasy. So everyone should know about Lux. You probably already do, but if you don't, you've just been a little bit more familiarized with him. Let's move over to Arizona because they have a couple of interesting guys who could get calls. And by the way, they're still... You know, very much in this race. Now, it's become a battle of how many teams that they have to surpass to really get to really get to the playoffs. I think they're four teams. I'm actually pulling it up. Hang on. So as far as the wild card goes, yeah, they have San Francisco, the Mets, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia ahead of them. So that really 
the, the, the teams to leapfrog becomes more than the four and a half games when it comes to what matters with them. But they're still a good ball club. Uh, they're going to be feisty down the stretch, and they have a pair of guys that they could call up for some impact, and that's Domingo Leyva and Kevin Crone. We've seen Kevin Crone a little bit this year. Yes, he is related to C.J. Crone, and what a masterful season Crone is having in the minors this year. He did pop five homers in 64 plate appearances when he came up uh, you know, earlier this year, too, and so he already displayed some of his power. Now, that came with a 41% strikeout rate, so we know he was... He was just mashing, looking to get looking to get some homers there. He got him, but he would need to be a bit more contained. But Kevin Crone's AAA numbers have just been off the charts. 318, 438, 789. That's the slash line. Add it all up. It's a 179 WRC+. 21% on the strikeout rate. 18% on the walk rate. So he doesn't have that kind of swing and miss that we saw in his brief minor league, or major league stint, excuse me. But I do still think he will be a swing and miss guy at the majors. Because I think right now he's just doing so much damage in the minors that Crone is kind of avoiding what a 14% swinging strike rate would normally net uh, as a strikeout rate. Uh, He has 38 homers, 101 ribbies, 78 runs. He's been incredible. That's all in 78 games, by the way. So he's scoring a run per game. He has well more than an RBI per game and and a a homer every other game, essentially. So that's Kevin Crone. Playing time would be tough, though. Because they do still have Christian Walker. Um, Wilmer Flores takes time against lefties. They still have uh, Jake Lamb, although Jake Lamb's actually been playing predominantly third base lately. Uh, so, you know, it will be tough because it's not like Walker's really given a, a full opening to say, hey, get this guy out of here. His magic's worn off and, and get Crone in there. And I think that's part of why Kevin Crone has stayed in the minor so long. In fact, um, with Walker, he's actually on on another hot streak of his own. 875 OPS this month with three homers. Domingo Leyba is, is an interesting guy as well. Let me pull up his profile here. He's somebody who is a middle infielder type, so he could kind of bounce around, maybe give guys off days here as they're kind of grinding. But at the same time, you can't give some of these superstars off days. So I did want to bring both these guys up, uh, Leyva and Crone, because they've been performing so well. But I am I want to be clear that playing time is difficult right now, barring some sort of opening being created, because you're not sitting Eduardo Escobar, and you're not even really wanting to sit Nick Ahmed who is quietly a very solid bat. He's really improved his bat uh, this year. And so when you look at those two, that those are the two main positions that Leva plays. Let me see if he's played anywhere else in the minor. Let's see, let's see. Um, no, no, not really. In fact, it, yeah, it's 40 game, 42 games at second, 61 at short, one at third. You know, it's not anything like that where you would expect Leva to be able to move over to third base. Maybe... Maybe Escobar could move and create an opening for Leba and get Jake Lamb out of there. I like Jake Lamb. I, I really do, but it's been a struggle since coming back. But let me give you some numbers on, on Leba. 307, 355, 529 line. That, you want to know how crazy AAA is this year, particularly the, uh, the PCL? That line I just gave you is a 109 WRC+. Plus. It's like, okay, you're just a bit above average. <laughs> Uh, that's how crazy things are down there. But 18 homers, 75 ribs, a 16% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate. We're not looking for big walks, but he doesn't strike out a lot. A lot of contact there for Domingo Leyva. He could at least come up, be a bench bat, and if if a, if some playing time opened up and he carved it out, 
you could see some batting average upside there from somebody like Leyva. Crone between the two is, is the more impressive one just because that instant click of power could be so interesting. But again, playing time is very difficult for Crone with the way Walker's been playing. Actually, in fact, let me check Crone and see if he's ever just randomly stood in the outfield. Not that he would be any good at it, but I just want to see. Nope, 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 nope. Although he has, here's some potential hope. 14 games at third base for Kevin Crone in AAA this year and two innings of third base in the majors. So they've done it. Hey, that makes me a little bit more excited here because, again, while I do love Jake Lamb, I'm not going to let my feelings uh, as liking him as a player cloud the fact that he has an 82 WRC plus this year. It's just it's just not nothing's really going right. Let me see if he's on any sort of hot streak right now that would uh, – keep them invested in fact no he could not be colder 525 ops over the last 28 days for ray glam so i'm even a little bit more juiced on crone right now let's move over to my tigers now i did cheat on this i made this list last week and uh then this guy got called up in the interim i i had my scheduling wrong on on when i was going to have to do a solo and so i i i didn't need to do this until later and Willie Castro for the Detroit Tigers already got called up just a couple days ago. I believe it was on Saturday. So I kept him on the list, though, just so you're aware of him. The Tigers have absolutely no reason not to simply just insert Willie Castro into the middle infield and let it ride for the next five, six weeks of the season. There is there is literally no reason for them not to. He started at short both of his games since coming up. He's a switch hitter. They got him from Cleveland in the Leonis Martin deal last year. And he could come up in playing time. In the leagues where playing time is king, you like to see prospects get called up on, on terrible teams like this because, again, they have every incentive to just, hey, you do your thing and we'll see what's what. 301, 366, 467, good for a 113 WRC plus. So even the International League has been uh, has been juiced, as you can see, because normally that line would net something better, but it, a 113 is still good. 11 homers, 17 steals. Hopefully they let uh, they let Castro run in Detroit as well. They're not a huge running team, but let, let him flex that speed. 17 for 21 is a nice little uh, stolen base rate of 81%. So it's not like he's out there running wild. So if you need a middle infielder, Willie Castro could be your guy, particularly in deeper leagues. I don't know where the batting average is going to be. He's off to a fast start going three for seven, but obviously we put literally nothing into that. It means zero. Could he be somebody who holds his own with like a 270 and then and then gives you some speed with some chip in pop? Yeah, he could be down the stretch. I could see that out of Willie Castro in Detroit. So take a look at him for sure. Uh, what we're hoping is that uh, Baltimore does the same with Ryan Mountcastle. Another dreadful team that if they can just bring up this guy, let him show off what he's capable of, give him a shot to excel, it could be some fantasy goodness down the stretch because there's no reason that a, a, a an appealing prospect should be blocked on a team like that. They've had a few things go right in the outfield, namely Trey Mancini. Uh, Anthony Santander has, has done some positive things as well, but Mountcastle is one of their better prospects. Uh, he's really built on his double-A breakout from last year with a triple-A season that has seen him hit 310, 342, 531. It's a 117 WRC+. The play profile is not special. 23% strikeouts, 4% walk. You don't love 
either of those really, especially uh, as a as a team there. You know, I can take a four percent walk rate when you have a sixteen percent strikeout rate, something like that. But that's all right. He does have the pop. 25 homers, 80 ribbies, 78 runs in his 120 games. He plays, I believe, third base primarily. Let me see if he's played anywhere else. Third and first, really. Uh, Oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I mixed that up. Third was primarily for last year. This year, it's really been first and outfield. 83 at first, 20 in the outfield, and nine nine at third base. Now, I mentioned the outfield earlier. And that was kind of off of, that was random. I, I did not, I, I don't know, even know why I said that because Mount Castle I knew was more of an infielder. And, and yet I said, hey, they've had some pretty good things happen in their outfield. That was incidental to the fact I didn't even realize that he had 20 games in the outfield this year, Mount Castle has. So he could kind of bounce around. I mean, listen, listen, dude. At some point, you stop making fun and you just feel bad for what's going on with Chris Davis. And I know what some people are saying. I don't feel bad because he's making money. Okay, cool. You're, you're, you're such a cool guy. You're so edgy that you don't care about how people feel when they are dreadful at their job just because they have a bunch of money. This, this it's, it's, it's kind of a heartbreaking story to watch unfold as, as Chris Davis just flounders at the dish hoping to earn some semblance of the massive contract that he's been given. And I don't know, unless he wronged you in some sort of way, you're kind of a douche if you just revel in the fact that uh, that, that he's that he's flopped like this. My point in bringing up Chris Davis was the fact that they could give him a lot more breathers on the bench and let uh, let someone like Mountcastle get in there at first or over at third for real Ruiz or in the aforementioned outfield because – you know, none of the none of the guys that they have really outside of like Jonathan VR and Mancini are musts every single day. Where it's like, oh, how dare you take that guy out? You you can't possibly do. I guess Hanser Alberto's uh, established himself pretty nicely, and the aforementioned Santander. Um, they they all have to, but that's still only four guys. They can find room for Mountcastle. Call him up in September. Let him ride. Let's see what we've got. Next up in San Francisco is Jalen Davis. Now, Jalen Davis was a minor league acquisition from Milwaukee, or excuse me, from Minnesota, where he'd been having a hell of a season and uh, actually put up a 175 WRC plus in their AAA after a 148 in their AA. So he had a he had a two level breakout season for the Twins and then was traded over to the Giants um, in a deal. Let me see what deal that is because I don't know. who. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It, was, it had to have been the Sam Dyson deal. Had to. Had to have been because they got Sam Dyson from the Giants, and that just makes way too much sense. I'll check my work to make sure, but that has to be it. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Jalen Davis. Oh, my gosh. And this guy named Prelander Baroa. That's an amazing name. Prelander. Love it. They should have just called him Prelander when he was a kid, and then he turned to an adult. Well, he's actually only 19, so he is still Prelander. I mean, I know technically you're an adult at 18, but maybe when he turns 21, he'll be Postlander. Or just Lander. And then when he turns like 40 or 50, he becomes Postlander. I don't know. But uh, that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about Jalen Davis. He has done nothing to slow down since joining the Giants triple-A. Now, that is, that's a great... Uh, microcosm. It's one. It's one sample, so let's not freak out. But it's a great microcosm of what what it's like going from the Pacific 
or excuse me, from the International League to the Pacific Coast League, because Davis put up a, a hell of a, a line in AAA with the with the Twins there in the International League. He's actually improved upon it in in the PCL with the Giants, going 387, 477, 867, good for a 210. WRC plus in just 88 plate appearances, he has clubbed 10 homers, 25 ribbies, 20 uh, excuse me, 19 runs for Jalen Davis, and uh, you know, I think he he could get a call. He's an outfielder. He's kind of bounced around the outfield, hasn't really played anywhere else in his career outside of a few stints at DH, but that's not going to be an option in San Francisco. Now they've been plucking outfielders out of thin air uh, a lot this year uh, with. Alex Dickerson, Kevin Pillar, Mike Yastrzemski. And in fact, that's that's the uh, that's the outfield that they've been running lately. So that would make it difficult for Davis to really crack into right now. But just get him on the roster and and see if he can make something work. Dickerson's never been the the bastion of health and uh Yastrzemski himself is dealing with a little bit of a hand contusion right now, although it's not expected to be serious. So I don't really see that as an avenue for Davis. But at least if he gets called up, he becomes NL only interesting for Jalen Davis so that you can kind of wait and see. And then if something happens with, with some sort of injury and he gets a uh, you know, larger chance at playing time, I'd be in on Jalen Davis just to see what's what. Shifting over in the Bay to Oakland, we'll talk a little bit about Jorge Mateo. You may remember him at some point here. I, I think we've kind of hit the prospect fatigue with regards to Jorge Mateo. But uh, you may be surprised to learn that he is still just 24, which isn't exactly ancient, but he's been around for such a long time. In fact, the first time that he cracked uh, top 100 lists was back in 2016, before the 2016 season. And he really broke into big league you know, prospect circles all the way back in 2012 with the Yankees. So he was he was with the Yankees for a while and then went over to Oakland where he's really struggled to uh to figure things out and and get that call up. This year has been a rebound year. Last year was an absolute disaster, 23280, 353 slash line and 510 play plate appearances in his first go round at AAA. He's greatly improved this year. It it's not jumping off the page at 293, 333, 506 because that net's just a 97 WRC plus for Jorge Mateo. But he's taken advantage of the super happy fun ball with 17 homers, which are more than he had in 17 and 18 combined when he had, uh, let's see, that would be 12, when he had 15. Wow. So yeah, uh, he's really taken advantage of that 17 homers for Jorge Mateo, but 23 stolen bases as well. And he had 25 last year. So, you know, he's a mid twenties stolen base guy. The speed is is definitely what we're looking for here. In fact, that's what that's where I'd speculate on Mateo in deeper leagues where I need some speed. Sign me up right now, and I'll hang on, hoping that he gets called up and he can and he can steal some at bats. He's probably going to be looking at something like second base, though. Uh, he, he primarily plays shortstop, but Marcus Simeon isn't going anywhere. You know, he's their leadoff hitter. He's become a stalwart at shortstop with his defense. His improvement has been amazing, by the way. Kudos to Marcus Simeon for just busting his ass to get better at defense and becoming uh, an actual weapon for that team. But Corbin Joseph has been, uh, has been playing a lot of second base. He and Jerks and Profar are platooning. I don't think that there's any reason that uh, that Jorge Mateo couldn't break in there, get some opportunities, maybe make the most of it, maybe come in with some late-game pinch running, get you some cheap bags. It's hard to roster in in shallower mixers right now. But Joseph, I mean, Joseph really 
hasn't done anything. Corbin Joseph hasn't done anything there. So if you're just looking at, you know, putting Mateo and Profar in a platoon, Mateo might be on the wrong side of it though as a right-hander while uh, while Profar is a switch hitter. But I don't know. Let me look. Let me see what the splits will look like for Mateo here this year. It's actually been pretty pretty even. 883 against lefties, 825 against righties for Jorge Mateo. But again, you're really looking for the speed component here. And if that playing time clicks, that could be really interesting. All right. And for my last one, this th- there was a very calculated reason why I said 10 minor leaguers and not 10 prospects at the outset of this show. And that's because you'll never, you'll never guess who I'm talking about here. It is a one-time interesting catcher who unfortunately is in an organization with like 500 weird interesting catchers this year. And I want to give you a second. I'm, I'm letting it build here, let, giving you a second to try to guess who this who this is. And then I'll give you some numbers on this guy. Do you have any idea who this one-time exciting catcher, primarily because of the environment he was in, he left the country for a while, I believe. Hang on, let me check my facts on that. Yes, he did. He's back, and he's raking in AAA. He's decidedly not a prospect. It is Willen Rosario. If any of you got that, pat yourself on the back and then continue on. I have nothing else for you. Uh, yeah, I mean... I brought him up just because I found him really exciting, and I was like, I was scanning AAA uh, leaderboards, and I saw that he was up there, you know, doing some big things with a three ten batting average, nineteen homers in ninety eight games, seventeen uh, percent strikeout rate, three fifty on base, you know, just a lot of decent stuff there from a thirty year old Will and Rosario, and I was like, damn, okay, I'll bring him up. I mean, it, it, it's far less serious than the other nine, if for. Uh, if for the only reason just because Castro and Jason Castro and Mitch Garver have that catching position on lock in Minnesota, so it would really require an injury. But hey, maybe he comes up and maybe they let him, you know, kind of be on the team there as an emergency catcher and they give him some first base or some DH and he just kind of fills in here and there. Not that they don't have those spots covered, but you never know. I, I You know, this this is not a, this is, here, let me say this. Several of the guys we've talked about are pickups now. Get the jump on your league. There is no universe where Will and Rosario is is a preemptive pickup. You wait to see if he comes up, and then you kind of you kind of give it a thought if you're in the uh, a league deep enough to be like, hey, I don't know, a warm body who could maybe knock a few dingers could be useful to me. But I don't really see a lot here. So being clear, this is primarily a joke one here with Will and Rosario, just because. He'd been he's been so good, and I just wanted to tip my cap to what he's been doing. Uh, I used to be a big fan of of his when he's in Colorado, the twenty eight homer season and twenty one homer season. I had those as keepers in my NL only league, so you know you keep that soft spot for some guys when they when when you have them as prospects and they blossom on your team. He really lost it after that, though. Thirteen homers the following year, a lost half season after that. And that was in 2015 for Will and Rosario. And, and so he can never really fully maximize Coors Field 
And I doubt he's going to do much for the Twins. But there it is. There's nine prospects and a tenth minor leaguer. I'll, I'll review them again. Kyle Tucker in Houston. Nate Lowe in Tampa Bay. Gavin Lux in, with the Dodgers. Domingo Leyva and Kevin Crone with the Diamondbacks, although I do favor Crone, even though I said Leyva first. Willie Castro with the Tigers. Ryan Mountcastle with the Orioles. Jalen Davis with the Giants. And Jorge Mateo with the Athletics. Those are the prospects. And then Will and Rosario with the Twins. These are ranked in order except for crone and leva um in fact i might put castro ahead of leva i did keep the two teammates uh, i listed them together but if i was doing a full perfect ranking i do think castro would be uh, one spot above leva but it's easier to say now too because Castro's called up anyway hopefully that helps there um i want to look up something on pitchers and see if, if maybe i can do a, a pitchers one of these or or with somebody else but hopefully you enjoy this and hopefully it helps you find some guys that could help you win some titles thanks for listening